you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the League Podcast gets more emotional than Ray Lewis. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. No Sessler tonight, Sunday night. Uh, so we're just going to have to carry, carry on. We could do it. Good day of football today. We know he's smiling somewhere because he picked the Browns to win, and he got that right. That is, you know. Not set- to spoil the rest of the show, but the Browns won. Yeah, that was <laughs> a, a slight spoiler alert, but it's all right. Uh, Mark is a happy man, and he's celebrating somewhere. There were a lot of games uh, worth digging into here, week nine. Um I guess the place to start, though, is uh, record records falling or being tied, at least, uh, in Oakland, where Nick Foles threw seven touchdown passes, 406 yards, and had a perfect passer rating, leading the Eagles to a 49-20 win over the Raiders. K. Rich behind the glass. I think we're going to throw it to you, actually, wow. to start for the first time ever. K. Rich, who, uh, who was a big Eagles fan. And she approached the game with a lot of positivity, and it's paid off. Well, guys, you know, I came in here with my Eagle shirt on. Yes. So, you know, I've been wearing a smile all day. I really I feel oh, romance. What is this? <laughs> I feel romance by my team. They did oh. such a good job. The ball distribution was beautiful. Mm. I saw big plays from Deshaun Jackson, Shady McCoy. Riley Cooper was amazing. Ah, so much so. so. <laughs> Seduction Sunday. I, I feel the seduction right here is Nick Foles wooing young K. Rich. Oh, you you've been a Michael Vick fan for years and years. See, this is this is the hard part. I will always be a Michael Vick fan, and I had this conversation earlier. If he if he moves to another team, I'm not even sure if another team will pick him up. But it's hard to let go of the fandom. But I'm very, you know, I get optimistic with Nick Foles. But again, he's going against mediocre teams. Oh, so, oh so stop. But he's that, doing a good job. Next week will be the big test against the Packers. Oakland is, has a pretty good defense, actually. And, uh, you know, I, I just I can't believe that he is. It's almost emblematic of the NFL in general, the way things are so up and down. You know, he's had some really bad games. And now this, he has, you know, one of the best games ever. The, barring injury, is it safe to say, Vic, we will not see him take another snap for the Eagles now? This has I don't to earn think we can say that because we've already seen Nick Foles faceplant once. Yeah, but we also just saw him do something no one in the history of the NFL has ever done. Right. Seven touchdowns with a perfect passer rating. It, it was hard to see this one coming, the way that the Raiders have been playing team defense. I don't know. I don't think the Eagles can sustain it, but I think it's a huge day for your softball pants. You got to be feeling good. That was my big takeaway here. Well, McFadden walks away with an injury. Uh, Pryor got injured, Shocker. but seems like he'll be fine. And uh, I think the defense may have gotten exposed a little bit. They're, they were top ten statistically, but I don't. I, I think we all kind of thought there was some smoke and mirrors to that. 
Right, this. <laughs> they're now three and five. They're they're just on the line here. They, they need are? to get the six wins for you to 50, eat. 50 chance. You're still on pace to eat nylon and elastic <laughs> and metal uh, shards and things of that nature. However, um, this is also the type of loss that a lesser team uh, could potentially go in the tank after. We'll see. You know, you never know how these teams bounce back, but. Uh, are you are you feeling more confident now that this this is now because you were you basically were almost you were thinking it was a done deal almost I yeah I like. thought odds were against me keeping my softball pants but now <laughs> I feel like I have a fifty fifty shot um, wait so is Nick Falls good that was my other question today you were <laughs> yeah but <laughs> you you know. you've never bought in on the Falls thing I, I have I've been saying he's got some potential he can do some things he, he threw it deep well he, he now has eighteen touchdowns versus two interceptions. If you take out the first start of his career, hmm. um, my problem with him going back to last season when I watched, I went back and watched him in the off season, and um, he was awful in the red zone. And I didn't, you know, he didn't even really need that much because he was making big plays today down the field. That wasn't an issue. But I mean, he, in two of his three last three starts, he's played exceptionally well. I'm amazed the Seagulls team is four and five. They're not a good team overall, and they're four and five and in the mix. Well, I mean, they won by 29 points today, and the Raiders actually outgained them in yards. The offense isn't a problem. The defense is. Do uh, you know we're going to bring back our stick of fork in them committee? Uh, going to make a judgment on some team or teams on Wednesday? Teaser. Is the uh, committee going to talk about the Raiders at three and five? Oh, I think we will. We're looking for candidates that need a fork. Absolutely. The, yeah. Raiders have, the Raiders have to be high on that list. All right, our next game, we'll talk about the Sunday night matchup, a uh, memorable game on a couple different levels. Obviously, the biggest storyline coming out of it was Texans coach Gary Kubiak, who you know dropped to one knee on the field coming off the sideline at halftime. Uh, after the game, we, we found out that um, – he had some lightheadedness, so they took him to the hospital. And it doesn't seem to be serious, so that's that's good news. And then from the game standpoint, uh, kind of a shocking meltdown for the Texans, who had a big lead in the second half, uh, and then Andrew Luck caught fire. They scored on four straight possessions, and uh, a killer 27-24 loss for the Texans, who are in very deep trouble now. The Texans dominated for three quarters. The Colts couldn't protect Andrew Luck, and then in the fourth quarter, he and T.Y. Hilton just took over. I mean, there are losses, and then there are losses. And there are losses losing an 18-point lead at home against your division rival in what amounted to a playoff game. And then, oh, by the way, your coach went to the hospital in a very confusing situation where he was on a stretcher at halftime. And they say his signs are vital. And it's positive, and there was even some optimism expressed he'll be back with the team soon. But we don't know. We don't know what the head coaching situation is going to be there for a little bit. And I thought it was one of the most depressing losses I've seen. I mean, how does it get much more depressing than that? They go into halftime. As the second quarter ends, they're up 21-6. Um, you know, three touchdown receptions for Andre Johnson. Case Keenum looks great. The world, everything seems to be coming in line for a potential, you know, strong Texan second half. And Kubiak goes down. He's off the field. White Phillips takes over. And, you know, the air came out of the building. The place, you know, I'm sure it was kind of a confusing scene if you were in the stands at that game. 
And then the offense could not. Keenum, who looked so great in the first half, the offense didn't move the ball well in the second half. And uh, for Luck, the big thing was he got better protection. Um, he was, I believe, 4 for 12 uh, for less than 100 yards in the first half. Once they started protecting him, um, it was game over. I mean, Luck, Luck, this was Hilton's first big game with Reggie Wayne out of the lineup, and he stepped up. And during that score where they put up 24 straight points over four possessions, um, they ran the ball once. <laughs> so this is Andrew Luck's team. We knew that. But forget about Trent Richardson. This team goes as Andrew Luck goes, and he could take them far. Trent Richardson. I mean, he's not even their best back right now. No. It's Donald Brown. Donald Brown's getting inside carries inside the 10. They're, they have a knack for doing this. You know, the Colts have done it. Ten fourth-quarter comebacks for Luck in his career. They've had a lot of crazy comebacks. And the Texans have a knack for playing wildly uneven games. They did it in week one against the Chargers. They did it against the Seahawks, which I said was one of the most dominant performances. It was almost a carbon copy of this game where at the end of the third quarter it started to change. People will make the narrative about Kubiak, and I think that's unfair because that's something that's different than football. And they built the lead up 10 points to 18 after Kubiak um, went down. And then in the fourth quarter, it all fell apart. I've seen some sentiment on Twitter, not from national writers, but just from fans who aren't watching the Colts on a weekly basis think that Andrew Lux is kind of a product of national media hype. And then you see some of the throws he makes. The throws he made in the fourth quarter were just unreal, just great throws that not many quarterbacks can make. He put the ball exactly where it needed to go. One other point for the Texans, you know, they are now two and six. The four committee is going to have to get together and have some discussions about them. Mm. Uh, the division's gone now. Not that it was ever really there, but now they're four back with, with uh, eight to play. And also Arian Foster, um, the running back, he left the game in the first quarter with a back injury. Of course, a back injury shut him down for a good portion of the summer. So things just keep getting worse. Well, I think emotionally it, it seems like this loss probably ended their playoff hopes. Mm. Couldn't, couldn't they make a run of wild card? Well, that's, that's a conversation for the fork committee. I, I'm not willing to write <laughs> them off because I like what I've seen so much from Case Keenum. I mean, to me, he looks like more of a solution than a fill-in from what we've seen in two games now. I think he, he looks like a young Tony Romo or Jake Plummer where he's playing with mm. Moxie. He has athleticism. Mm. Not afraid to Not make afraid at all. No, he's... He won't take checkdowns. <laughs> he had 11 passes of 25 or more yards in, in eight quarters. Schaub had six of those passes in 20 quarters. And Wade Phillips was so drained after the game. It's been obviously an emotional couple weeks for him. And he kept just pointing to the stats like, you know, their quarterback only went 18 for 40. And our quarterback, the quarterback rating was sensational we did this and we did that and it was like he was trying to add it all up well, how did this possibly happen to me and that's that's the well, feeling that a lot he of could start with his kicker yeah yeah randy bulk should not search his name on twitter <laughs> because it's it's fairly grim i think he's the first quarterback or first kicker to miss eight kicks in the first eight games of the season in over a decade First kicker with the nickname Fat Randy, too, I believe. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't get worse. Worst nickname in the league and also having the worst season among any kicker. There was a 0% chance he was making that kick at the end of the game. <laughs> you could see it in his eyes. Oh, he had the fear in his eyes. I feel bad for him. Yeah. I like to call him overweight Randy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, that's almost worse. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's move on. Tamba Hali and cornerback Sean Smith. Return turnovers for touchdowns, and it ex helped extend the Chiefs 
to nine and zero on the season. They twenty three thirteen win over the Bills. I, <laughs> Greg, I don't know. Tell me about this game because <laughs> I don't. I still don't know how the Chiefs are nine and zero, and but they are. They're nine and zero. The worst nine and zero team ever. It's like the. Sure, but it, it it's like so the, unfair. But uh, you know, gotta, it's like the Chiefs are trying to f- be less impressive each week <laughs> while they win. Like it's a contest. What could we do to really annoy everyone? Now let's give up four hundred and seventy yards to Jeff Tool and the Bills. I watched this, and there's no reason the Bills lost this game. They shouldn't have lost. That they were in. They ran the ball just down the Chiefs' throats. The last two weeks have made me wonder if the Chiefs' defense is not quite as good as we think, but that they did wind up scoring a couple touchdowns in this game. There were a lot of unforced errors, though, by Buffalo. You know, people are going to give the Chiefs credit. There were a lot of drops to kill drives. There was fumbles in a bad spot. There was a play in the red zone where uh, a rookie by the Chiefs, uh, I think it was Goodwin, broke up a pass that was going to be completed to their tight end, Chandler, basically broke up a pass to his teammate. So it was a lot of unforced errors and a lot of bad luck for Buffalo. The play of the game uh, was 10-3, Buffalo knocking at the door inside the Mm. five-yard line. Uh, Sean Smith picks the ball off one yard deep into the end zone and takes it back 100 yards. Instead of 17-3, it's 10-10. And uh, it's very hard for any team to come back for that from that situation. But they had a million chances, too. I mean, C.J. Spiller, after that point, just ran right through them. They ran for over, I think it was 240 yards against the Chiefs. They moved the ball, but they couldn't finish. I mean, you've got to give the Chiefs credit, but Smith threw for 4.3 yards per attempt in this game. The Bills Gabbard deep, zone. Gabbard, Mired in the Gabbard, Gabbard zone. Yes. Sub-Gabbard. So, last time I saw Jeff Tool play, I thought he had the worst arm in the NFL. What was your impression? He was hit or miss on the deep throws. They were taking shots with him, and sometimes it looked like a joke. I mean, it floated out of his hand. And then other times he made some pretty nice throws. There were a lot of drops and mistakes by the receivers. He he wasn't terrible in this game. Are we talking with arm strength, Wes? Are we talking uh, mid-period Chad Pennington? Are we talking (laughs) Tyler Palco Express? Where are we resting on this? It looked... Like slightly, slightly stronger arm than Tyler Palco. Okay, which is pretty, but more wobbly passes than Palco. A lot of wobbles, but there was a fifty-nine yard touchdown to Goodwin, which is a perfect throw, uh, which he looked great on. But for the most part, a lot of wobbles. Chiefs become the first team since the uh, nineteen seventy-seven grit splits Atlanta Falcons to uh, hold each of their first nine opponents to seventeen points or fewer. Yeah. All right, give them some credit. And by the way, they go into their bye and. Because it is an annoying 9-0 and because we all know they're not really this good. They will, <laughs> Very annoying. I'm thinking the Broncos at home uh, will take down the Chiefs. We'll see. But that that would be – if the Chiefs win in Denver in Week 11, you know, I think we all need to bow down at, at the altar of Andy Reid. But, you know, we'll see. Here's the craziest stat of the year to me. The Chiefs defense did not – touch Jeff Toole in this game. Wow. Not a sack and not a QB Ooh. hit. Not even once did they hit him. Wow. That's surprising. That's odd. All right, moving forward. Two straight weeks for that, by the way. Chiefs defense didn't really touch the opponent. Something to watch. Uh, Nick Folk remained perfect this season for the Jets, kicking four field goals. And Rex Ryan got the better of his twin brother, Rob. And the Jets, the Jets upset the Saints 26-20 at MetLife Stadium. Uh this is crazy. The Jets were beat 49-9 last week uh, in Cincinnati. 
and now they turn around, and this was you know one of their best, probably their best all around effort of the season. And I think the thing that jumped out to me more than anything was, you know, the Jets didn't enter the season with any anybody on offense really, uh, but their we- top weapons, Antonio Holmes. Jeff Cumberland, Cumby, Jeremy Curley, <laughs> Kellen Winslow. All these guys did not play. Curley suffered a potentially serious elbow injury early in the game. So these are the people that stepped in. Greg Salas, Zach Sudfeld, mm. David Nelson, Josh Cribbs, all has-beens and never-will-bees, and they beat Drew Brees. And, of course, this goes back to uh, the defense. I said on Friday I should have picked the Jets. I didn't p- take the Jets. I'm kicking myself. But I did say that... You know, their only chance is to really aggravate Breeze and get in his face, and they did. They were hitting him all game. Um, you know, so big win for the Jets. Is it safe to say that Rex is the Rob Gronkowski of the Ryan brothers? <laughs> <laughs> he owns Rob, doesn't he? Yeah. No, no love for bad Santa? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's been okay this season. Rob is like Chris Gronkowski. Is it say. Rob like 0-5 now against Rex? I, yes. When their coordinators are above, you can, you know, you can make weird yeah. rules if you count the, when Ro, you know, Rob, Rob beat him a, in college, but never in the pros. Uh, yeah, the other thing, Chris Ivory, if this guy stays healthy, he's exactly what the Jets need, which is kind of a bruising running back who can take time off the clock. And Gino had a a nothing game. Gino Coaster was kind of silent today, but he didn't make any mistakes. So the Jets are 5-4, and and uh, they are, we could say it, they're a legitimate playoff contender at this point. I I, I agree. In the AFC, why not? That last wild card spot is going to come down to a mediocre team. The Jets are that team right now. Right. They actually have the worst point differential of any 5-4 and four team in NFL history. So maybe a little, <laughs> wow. bit of a, a little bit of a mirage, but you have to give this coaching staff so much credit for what they've done. Speaking of Geno Coaster, what's up with Tom Brenham and stealing our uh, oh. nickname for Geno there? No, I, he I, dropped it twice in the Panthers-Falcons game today. I have reached out uh, our Spread council, the our around-the-league council. Uh, we're going to try to make some money off this. So. Spread the love. We like it. I mean, if if Tom Brenneman's listening to the podcast, what's up, Tom? Yeah, Where's the silent eight? If he starts Tom. dropping the uh, the AD line on us in the Bengals game, yes. then we know he's he really is outright thieving. I just want to I want to try to monetize the nickname if possible. So I will uh, be reaching out to our lawyers. We have some very we're going to put Lyle the intern on fi- finding some lawyers. And uh, we're going to look into that. But, uh, yeah, great day to be a Jet fan. And they have now won every odd week odd uh, week this season and lost every even week. So they lost two, four, six, eight. And now they have a bye next week, so they can't lose. Bad loss for the Saints, too, because they have to go to Seattle later this season. They still have two left against the Panthers, so they kind of open the door for the Panthers to get back in it. And to what you said uh, before we move on, Wes, uh, Rex said this after the game, I think it's clear that – he should be the offensive assistant coach of the year in reference to the offensive quarterday, Marty Morningwig, that there is no such thing as an offensive assistant coach of the year. I just think that was funny that he made up an award. Maybe we should give one for our end-of-the-season awards. All right. Thanks for all the feedback for the mid-season awards. People liked it. A lot of buzz. A lot of buzz. Thank you, uh, thank you for everyone that listens to the podcast. And keep downloading. Wait, let's get some stuff out there. Download it and rate it. And leave comments. Anything else, Gary? Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. What's the hashtag on Twitter? NFL ATL. There you go. And if you have multiple multiple devices, like an iPod and a computer and a phone, just subscribe on all of them. And play them all simultaneously. (laughs) Out your windows. We are also on Stitcher. Yes. I don't know what Stitcher is, but we're definitely on it, and that's great. Um, All right. Moving on. 
You know, I feel I just got a little bounce in my step talking about the Jets. I'm excited. Uh, Cam Newton overcame a shaky start. He threw for one touchdown, ran for another. And the Panthers beat up on the Falcons 34-10 for their fourth straight win. That's also the fourth straight game that the Panthers have scored 30-plus points. Wes, is it all right to get ex- really excited at this point about the Panthers? I mean, it we're already is. excited. We, already this point it is. we were. It is. We what had about a- society? Yeah, everybody should be excited about Riverboat Ron. Riverboat Ron. <laughs> he, he did it again, right? He did it again. Fourth and one in the first quarter from the 14-yard line. They run play action, find Greg Olson for a touchdown because touchdowns are better than field goals. True story. Yeah, uh, how did Jonathan Stewart look in this game? First he looked game back? pretty good. I don't want to say he looked like pre-injury Jonathan Stewart, but he looked like the best of their running backs. He had some burst. He, he ran decisively, looked good out of the backfield in the passing game. And if he, if we wait a few weeks and, and we do start to see him as pre-injury Jonathan Stewart, he could be the best playmaker in that offense along with Cam Newton. That's a big addition for a contender. Did did you ever have a feeling that the Falcons could win this game? I was actually surprised they were close for much of it. I did not have a feeling they could win this game. Uh, the Panthers were clearly the better team. Um, we suggested that Matt Ryan might face plant, and he now has seven interceptions in his last two games. And... For the first time in his career, has back-to-back games with at least three interceptions. Threw his first pick six since 2010. Mm. Hard times for Matt Ryan. Thank you to the Falcons, by the way, for not making us feel bad about forking you after only seven weeks because they're not coming back. There's no coming back now. And Tony Gonzalez will not be traded. That's the only good thing for the Falcons, that there's no more speculation about Tony being traded. He had a good day today. He was getting open all over the middle of the field. And basically, uh, the Panthers had one job, stop Tony Gonzalez, and they couldn't do it. All right, let's move on. The Washington Redskins got um, a Daryl Young. I'm just learning now who Daryl Young is. uh, (laughs) Scored a four-yard touchdown run in overtime Sunday. His third touchdown of the game. He's a fullback. Uh, he plays American football. Giving the Redskins a 30-24 win over the Chargers. I came into the office today, and uh, Greg was just losing his mind watching this game. <laughs> Very fired up. Greg, tell us about this one, because the Chargers basically blew this one. They did. And just to paint a picture, Daryl Young is the Tommy Bohannon of the Washington Redskins. Does that mean anything to you? No. Tommy Bohannon's your guy on the Jets. <laughs> great, great fullback. Uh this was a very tough game to watch for Charger Nation, of which I, which now, you are now. I now consider myself a Chargers fan. I jumped on three or four weeks ago. I'll and tell I'm, you, they'll, they'll break your heart. I'm learning. If you were sitting next to Greg in the newsroom today, you would have thought that he kicked the Patriots to the curb and adopted the Chargers as his new team. They, the Redskins tried to give this game away. Up 10, seven minutes to go. Uh, they blow that lead. They do a terrible job mismanaging the clock giving San Diego way too much time. San Diego is driving. Phil Rivers is playing well at the end of the game. They have three chances at the one-foot line with 18 seconds left. They have a timeout there. They run it with Danny Woodhead instead of Ryan Matthews. They still have, the, uh, have a timeout, and then they throw two very low-percentage passes and go to overtime, and it was like, just give Ryan Math- Matthews a chance. You've got one of the toughest running backs in the league, and they made it so hard on themselves. It goes to overtime, and, and I said, whoever wins a coin toss is going down and scoring a touchdown. The new overtime rules doesn't matter because both of these defenses could not make a real stop for the game, and the Redskins did it. This, what do we think of Mike McCoy? This is not the first time we've questioned the Chargers' game management late in the game. 
he's got some Norv ten- Turner tendencies, which is that he's done a great job creating some offense on this team out of nothing. I think he's done a terrific job, but they've made some crazy decisions and, and shown a tendency to make uh, a losses out of wins. Give me an uh, RG3 report. Good. I mean, he played well overall. He missed a throw or two, especially late in the game that could have put it away. But, you know, he played, he was accurate, and he played with reckless abandon. You know, we heard all offseason how he's going to be careful and protect himself. He took a ton of hits in this game. Some of it was running the read option. Some of it was him just running on his own. One was a huge third down play where he dove for the first down and got nailed. And it was like all that offseason stuff was out the window. We need a win. And I don't know how long he can last like this, but it was fun to watch. And the best player on the field was Pierre Garçon. I mean, this was the best game he's ever had as a Redskin. He made three or four unbelievable catches, a couple of them to keep drives going. I don't think they win this game without Garçon. It was really those guys and the running game making plays for RG3. There's kind of a weird statistical anomaly going on with this team. Was it two weeks ago Roy Hallou scored three touchdowns? Yes. And then today <laughs> Daryl Young does, and they have Alf Morris. That's a little bit odd that they are these secondary guys are scoring the trio of touchdowns i i actually got to watch a, a good portion of this game and you know this isn't anything new but i it's still i get sad watching rg3 with that giant knee brace he just he doesn't move very like he even kind of walks the way he walks he just doesn't seem as exciting and i thought back to how amazing it was last year uh when he was just you know such a different player he didn't he didn't seem to be moving too well to me today uh, he didn't run a ton, uh, but their running game was effective partly because of him because they did a lot of option stuff. They had Jordan Reed run, uh, run one side of the backfield. I mean, they ran right. for over 200 yards. The Chargers' defense could not stop Washington in general. I had no faith uh, that they would in overtime. And the Chargers' offense only stopped when it was stopping themselves. Keenan Allen, who had a big game statistically, had a rough performance. He had a huge drop to kill a drive. Uh, he didn't fight for a ball on an interception. I think the Chargers really you know, imploded more than the Redskins winning. To your point, Dan, I don't think we'll see pre-injury Griffin until he loses that knee brace. Right. He insists he's faster now than he was before the but, injury, but you can't run as fast with that bulky brace. But there were plays in that Bears game where he was really explosive. I mean, he was making the defenders look so slow. So maybe he's not as explosive as he was running, and I don't know if it's See, consistent. See, I think there's a, I think there's a pretty significant difference. But he's still more explosive than a, than right. most quarterbacks. I, I don't think his movement was a problem for them. And he's it's al- his accuracy. He's always messing with that brace too. It's like it's it's a every time you see him, it's you're constantly reminded. It's so big. He's always fidgeting with it. And I don't know. It's just depressing to me because I thought when he came into the league last year, he was the most exciting player we've seen in a long time. Whatever. Season-saving goal line stand, I think, for them. I don't think they're going anywhere this year, but I think they were done if they don't get this win. We did count them out last year, too. Well, that's why I'm not saying they're alive. (laughs) Three and five. All right, uh, let's move on. Steven Hoshka kicked a 27-yard field goal with uh, eight minutes to play in overtime, and the Seahawks... Staged the biggest rally in franchise history uh, to beat the Tampa Bay Bucks 27-24 in overtime on Sunday. Uh, the, just the fact that this even came down to overtime was stunning. I think we we did not, I, and we weren't alone, but on Friday's podcast, we didn't take this game very seriously. And then Tampa Bay comes out and punches Seattle in the mouth with 21 straight points on the road. It was weird, uh, but, you know. He actually got to 21-7 at the half and then 24-7 early in the third quarter. 
And then Greg Schiano, and it, you know, we don't have to pick on the guy every week until he's history. But you know, no, let's do it. They basically took the air out of the ball at twenty four seven and thought they could run away and hide playing in that building, which is not going to work out. And uh, you know, ended up costing them the the. Seattle started leaning hard on Marshawn Lynch, who made plays, and he kind of Lynch took over in overtime, uh, led them down the field and kicked the field goal. So the Seahawks, despite not playing very well at all, uh, have two wins in the past six days, and uh, you know that's a sign of a good team when you're winning when you're playing bad. That Shiano call gave me an idea. We need to start a coaching tracker for like crucial decisions, and which coaches do it right and which coaches consistently do it wrong. I think we can track that on the podcast or on the site. That Homework is. project. Right. I know the man for it, Chris Wesley. <laughs> I just volunteered myself for that one. Um, and if you're looking, if you're a Bucks fan, and that, I'm sorry if you are, but for silver linings, Mike Mike Lennon looks pretty good. He he uh, made some nice plays. He had a really nice 20 yard touchdown pass to uh, Tyquan Underwood, where he showed some nice footwork and some good touch. And then this guy, Mike Jones. Uh, you know, he looked really good. He ran Mike for James. Mike James. Excuse me, Mike James. He ran for uh, a season high 158 yards. Also threw a little Tebow-esque jump pass for a touchdown. <laughs> he looks better than Doug Martin ever looked before he got hurt this season. Wow. So maybe not last year, but earlier this season. So that guy can play a little bit. But you know, the Bucks are now 0 and 8, and you know, is Shiano going to survive? At this point, I think that would be a surprise if he survived. But I, I want to—you're changing your tune. At, now I am zero and eight. Although you know, let's get an update. Have they quit on Shiano this week? Because everyone's convinced. Oh, they quit. Right. They're obviously not playing for him. So were they trying when they got the big lead? But then they quit on him when they got the when they felt there was. I didn't see the game. I can't. Yeah, there was my a lot of buzz on that. There was a lot of buzz in the newsroom after the field goal to end the game. Oh, Shiano's history. But I know it's ugly to to blow a twenty-one nothing lead. But this game proves that they are still playing hard because, you know, they almost won the game. So I don't think he gets fired this week. But they oh, kick. this week? Yeah. No, no, I think he'll make it to the end of the season, actually. What, uh, how did the Seahawks' offensive line look? They lost Michael Bowie to an injury. Max Unger s- suffered a concussion. Um, so that's something to watch. But on balance, they did a better job in protection. And, uh, you know, the, the Seahawks, they rushed the ball very well. So, you know, they... They're not playing very well right now, but they're eight and one. So they don't have to worry about momentum until the playoffs are closer. They just need wins now. They just need home field advantage, and that's you know they got a assist today from uh, the New York Jets. They yes, did, they yes, did and that's also twelve straight wins at home for the Seahawks, which ties a franchise. Russell record. Wilson has never lost at home. No, good job by him. All right, moving forward. <laughs> Tony Romo threw for 337 yards and two touchdowns, including the go-ahead score to Dwayne Harris. A lot of, like, no-name guys stepping up um, today uh, with 35 seconds left. Cowboys beat the Vikings 27-23. You know, this was a – Wes, this was a game that – not not going to get excited about the Cowboys because they're so schizophrenic, but they've blown this game before. So finishing and actually com- coming back is a nice little achievement. For I them. feel sorry for all of the people – that were out there on social media just waiting for Romo to collapse, and they didn't get a chance to put their snark out into the world today. <laughs> that, I feel really bad for them. All they have to do is win these types of games, and they can probably win the division. Now, they, they've shown 
that they don't won't necessarily win these types of games easy, but this is kind of I think this is all they need to do to get to eight or nine wins and take the NFC East. One major concern for them is Demarco Murray averaged eight yards per carry today, and they only gave him four carries. They, this has been the most one-dimensional offense in the NFL. They don't run the ball. I thought that was supposed to change this year. It was. I don't know what's going on with that. Well, they shouldn't have run it last week because Joseph Randall doesn't look like an NFL no, player. No, he doesn't. Uh, so they gave up on that for a reason. Poor Vikings, though. They, they get a good effort, blow it. Christian Ponder, by the way, will start on Thursday night football. So get excited for that. The Vikings are on national TV again? They are on, NF- <laughs> they're on our network. It's, it's going to be a great game. And Ponder will keep his starting job, at least for this week. Uh, Adrian Peterson had a nice day. Uh, he had a big, long run and then had one of the best touchdown runs of the year where he basically took three defenders in the end zone. It made me think of Ray Lewis a couple weeks ago said that when he saw locked eyes with Adrian Peterson on the field after a grim loss to the Giants that, you know, he saw something in his eyes that he didn't <laughs> want to see. And, you know, he saw the same thing in Barry Sanders. Right. So, I remember yeah. that. He kind of hinted that Peterson might retire early yeah. because the passion, so Ray Lewis the passion spoke, wasn't there or something. Ray Lewis spoke to Jesus, who must have misinformed him because uh, Adrian ran with a lot of purpose today. So. Bad job by you, Ray. You know a guy has to do something impressive to get my wife to instant message me. Uh, Adrian Peterson is a monster. Wow. I don't think it, yes. She she must have been watching Red Zone or something, and there was that play. And Your wife watches She Red watches Zone? a little football on Sundays. I'm proud. I'm proud. Well, she does have her own fantasy team. Yes. My wife has no idea what Red Zone is. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Moving on. Tom Brady. Uh, Greg, get excited. Threw for season highs in uh, yardage, 432 yards, four touchdowns. Gronk had a career-high nine catches. The Patriots destroyed the Steelers 55-31. This is uh, kind of like those Patriots wins we became accustomed to over the past couple of years. Uh, All of a sudden, Tommy's looking good, isn't he, Greg? It was like a 2010 game broke out here. Uh, Rob Gronkowski is looking better than he ever looked. I I mean it. Uh, He looks faster, just Obviously, he's the most physical tight end in the league, and he just looks great. You have Danny Mandola going over 100 yards. You have Aaron Dobson kind of playing the Dion Branch role. He goes over 100 yards. Brady had his sharpest game of the season, and they stuck with Ridley as the primary back the whole game. It's amazing. I guess we shouldn't be surprised how much better they look when it's Gronk, Amendola, and Ridley all on the field together today. And I, and I thought, hey, maybe they've kind of found their mix, and that's what they're going to stick with. We both saw uh, Tom Brady. We saw something in his game last week where we thought he looked better than his numbers. But I don't think we could expect this. I think I saw that this is the first game in Patriots history where three different players had 100 yards receiving. Yeah, that's true. He had 432 yards and four touchdowns. He's finally going to be out of the Gabbert zone for good this season after this. And he threw outside the numbers a lot in this game. And he threw deep to Dobson and a couple other times. And the Steelers' defense is almost unrecognizable at this point. They gave up the most points and yards in the history of the franchise. There were some coverage busts, especially early in the game, that made it easier for the Patriots. This isn't just a one-game thing for the Steelers. They have given up at least 34 points three times, which is the first time that's happened since 1989. You know, when I go into the—we have our four-committee gathering uh, ahead of Wednesday's podcast, I will be bringing in a big— file filled with stats and um, I'm going to push hard for the fork going into the Steelers back deep, deep into their body. 
you I, you're gonna get some you're gonna get some arguments, but uh, I'm open minded to it. That's and all it, I ask for. That's all the committee could ask for. I can everyone be swayed. has an open mind. I can be swayed on that one. They're such a weird team, though. Even in this game, it's like Ben Roethlisberger throws for 400 yards. He throws for four touchdowns. They do some good things, but they can't ever put it all together. The Brady picked on Shamarco Thomas like like he was the only player on the field. Wherever Shamarco was, they basically just threw it at him. It's odd they drafted him as a safety and they're playing him at cornerback. Well, Ryan Clark got hurt in the game, and I, and uh, Ike Taylor got hurt too in the second half. So they were they were down a couple people that definitely helped Brady's cause. And any of you people out there that started Tom Brady in fantasy, that means that you didn't listen to like idiots <laughs> that work for fantasy sites and said maybe you should drop Tom Brady. You never drop Tom Tom Brady, uh, and uh, he showed you why. And they're going into their bye seven and two. I think they need their offense to be this good because the defense isn't going to be. They lost Steve Gregory in this game. They lost Rob Ninkovich in this game. They keep getting defensive players injured. But suddenly they're coming out of the bye, 7-2. and two. They're going to get Tlaib back. They're going to get Vereen back. And these are a lot of premier players. They're rounded keep, into form. You're excited, Greg, but keep you better keep winning because the New York Jets... The New York Jets are in second place, only two games back. And the Patriots come out of the bye at Carolina and versus Denver. So that's Ooh. about as hard as it gets right now. Interesting. Ooh, Patriots, Carolina. I love that. All right, moving forward, Jason Campbell. Yes, Jason Campbell threw three touchdown passes, two to Devon Bess, and the Browns ended an 11-game losing streak against the Ravens uh, with a 24-18 win. The Ravens are in trouble, folks. The Ravens are 3-5. and five. They don't look good. Ray Rice stinks right now. <laughs> and Joe Flacco is not good enough to put them on his back and take them to a next level. Um, at least not right now. He looks nothing like the guy from January. A lot of issues here. Meanwhile, the, the Browns are 4-5 and five in, in the mix. And Jason Campbell, J- again, Jason Campbell, who everyone, you know, kind of, once he took over for Whedon, it was assumed that it would be just, the end of the road for the Browns. He's played two good games in a row. He was great today. Threw three touchdowns, and he iced the game with a long drive uh, that covered 15 plays that basically ended any chance of a Ravens, at Ravens comeback. Get excited, Cleveland. We should explain the weird Jason Campbell phenomenon in our in our newsroom. Yes, we have an do. editor uh, at NFL.com named Mike Coppinger, and you might understand if somebody's favorite player Copy. was Andrew Luck or even Case Keenum. But Mike Coppinger has a weird, bizarre fetish for Jason <laughs> Campbell. He told Loves us him. He told us that Campbell would turn the Brown season around and Campbell would be electric. He has to be the only person in America that had that opinion. <laughs> right. Coppinger is a Redskins fan, so he has he has some history with Campbell. And you know, Sessler, I didn't get a chance to talk to him. He you know he left before the game was over, but I would imagine, and we'll ask him on Wednesday that he's he's getting a little excited because with a, good, a very good defense. Uh, they still have no running game. McGahey is just awful. I think he... 31 yards on 21 carries. That's outrageous. I mean, is that the McGahey zone? <laughs> McGahey's well, a... it, what's odd is in this game there are only th- there are only three NFL running backs with under three yards per carry and at least 75 carries, and all were playing in this game. Wow! And all of them averaged one point less than two yards per carry in this game. It's a major issue. Uh, Greg, I think you made the point downstairs also that, yes, it's starting to look like the, the Browns got the better of that trade with the Colts, but it would have, even a, a mediocre Trent Richardson would be a huge upgrade over what they have right now. They could really use a league average running back it's right now. It's time to see what they have in Fozzie Whitaker. 
Right. And but uh, yeah, and back to my point, <laughs> if you take a, a good defense uh and a quarterback in Campbell, if he continues to play well, there's no reason why they can't flirt with it the playoffs. Makes you wonder what they would be if Jason Campbell was the week one starter. Is that that crazy to think? No, it's not. And for all the love the Ravens defense has received this year, and most of it's deserved, I can think of two division games in the last three weeks where their defense had a chance to make a stop at the end of the game and try to set up a win, and they really couldn't get the stop. So in big spots, if you're a defensive team, the the Browns went right through them at the end of the game. It was impressive. Yes, and uh, just for fun, I'll take a quick uh, look at their schedule. They go into a bye week now. Nice timing for the bye. Then they have at Bengals without Geno Atkins, home to Steelers, home to Jags. So, mm. listen, they got a shot. And then they go to New England. So they really need to take two of three uh, after that bye to be uh, you know, considered a real contender. But we'll see. Sometimes we hear from fans we don't talk about them enough, like the Ravens when they were doing well. I heard from some – the Ravens fans should be happy that we don't talk about the Ravens that much because any other defending championship team that would be 3-5, and five, that would be all we're talking about. But for some reason we're just bored by them and don't bother. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Moving forward. Yes. And finally, Chris Johnson. <laughs> Chris Johnson ran for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Chris Johnson, who Sessler and I acquired for our fantasy team, Allison Bree. Uh, and the mm. Titans beat former coach Jeff Fisher and the Rams 28-21. Wes, you watched this game. What was uh, the most compelling take you took out of it? The story of this game really was Chris Johnson. He looked like CJ2K Chris Johnson. And I bet that uh, this is the most yards he's ever rushed for in a game where his longest carry was 24 yards. Hmm. He was a sustaining back. Hmm. He got first downs, carried the offense, Looked explosive, was quicker through the hole, made sharper cuts, broke arm tackles, which he hadn't done at any point this year. He was the most easiest back to tackle, it I, seemed like. I wonder if, you know, the news this week of Sean Green getting up to 15 carries maybe a little, little lit a fire. Yeah. Under. I think there has been some criticism of Chris Johnson that he doesn't always play as hard as he should. And maybe that did light a fire under him. Well, I know he respects Chris Wesseling's opinion. And when he hears that Chris <laughs> Wesseling's that big a Sean Green fan, and Sean Green could be coming gunning for him, he, he thought, I well, better look, pick it Sean up. Well, look, Sean Green would look good today, too. He, he carried a couple guys into the end zone. He had a 28-yard screen pass. They're running screen passes to a big back like Sean Green. This is a sneaky potential playoff team of the Titans. I've been talking about it for the last week that I, I think they have a shot to sneak in there as the sixth seed in a, in a watered-down AFC. And my guy, Jarrell Casey, made a game-changing play. Kellen Clemens, <laughs> big big quarterback like Kellen Clemens, is taking his team down the field. Strip, sack, fumble. Titans take it from there. Uh, we should mention Zach Stacy looked great again. He touched the ball on half of their snaps mm. and looked phenomenal. This guy... He makes people miss in tight spaces, not in open field. And I don't think many backs have that trait. How about a Tavon Austin update? Zero catches, had one nice return, but basically invisible on offense. I guess at this point with Kellen Clemens involved, you can't even really get an accurate gauge. But uh, interesting to know. Okay, that's it for tonight's podcast. We will be back Wednesday where we will, as we discussed uh, during the show, the Fork Committee will get together and announce who has had the fork stuck deep between the shoulder blades, ending their 2013 dreams. And we'll also preview Thursday night and Week 10. Get excited. Uh, but until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the mailman, the boss, K. Rich behind the glass, and of course, Lyle, the ATL intern. Until Wednesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.